Bible readings for today. Is, uh, the first reading is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Second reading, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we command ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death of Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Thanks, Pong, and morning again. Everyone, you might, might have noticed that the 2 Corinthians reading that we just had begins and ends with Paul saying, we do not lose heart. Uh, and as we read through the rest of 2 Corinthians and, and some of Paul's other letters in the Bible, we, we can see that it would have been tempting for him to lose heart in his ministry. He suffers a lot, he gets rejected a lot, he faces a lot of discouragement, and perhaps we can relate to that. 
to some degree. Uh, maybe you've, um, you've tried inviting people along to church, but they, they haven't been interested. Or, or you've tried to, to ask someone the, the question about what they think God is like, but it just, you haven't had the opportunity or, or it hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, you've, maybe you've got people that you love who have walked away from God and, and don't, don't follow Jesus anymore. Um, or you've been involved in, in some sort of ministry that just you're not really enjoying it or it just doesn't seem to be achieving anything. Um, you know, as I think about discouragements in ministry, my, my mind turns to a number of young guys from previous churches I've been part of who don't go to church anymore. They, they don't go to church. They don't have any interest in living for Jesus. Um, one guy in particular, I, I remember, who, who was making, seemed to be making really big steps forward. It was really encouraging. And, and now I've, I've heard that he doesn't go to church anymore and he, and he doesn't answer my phone calls anymore. Um, I think of my brother and my, my two brother in law, brothers-in-law who, who I try to pray for every day, but, but they've got so much contempt for church and Christianity, it's just, it's just hard to know where to even start the conversation. And you have to feel for Maggie as well in, in that video that, that we just saw. Who's, she's poured so much into her ministry in Cambodia just to see the rug pulled out from under her. And, and you wonder, what is God doing in these seasons? And where do we find hope in those times when, when these things happen that, that make us feel close to losing heart? Well, Paul's authentic hope, as he writes this letter to the Corinthian church, comes from, firstly, God's light, secondly, God's power, and thirdly, God's promise. We're going to start with God's light. Uh, and last week, in chapter 3, Paul describes the ministry of the Holy Spirit, who not only, not only reveals God's glory in Jesus, but transforms us to be more like Jesus. Uh, and Paul says, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, this ministry of the Holy Spirit, we do not lose heart. So having a, having a part to play in this glorious ministry of the Holy Spirit uh, is, is what helps Paul to keep heart. It's, it's having a role in shining God's light in Jesus. Um, rather than lose heart, Paul says, we have denounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Uh, so instead of losing heart, Paul says, we tell the truth. No deception, no distortion. We, we plainly set forth the truth about who Jesus is, what he's done for us, what he promises us. And we do it with the, the prayerful expectation that the Holy Spirit will be at work. But we also do it knowing that not everyone is going to believe. Uh, Paul says, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. It's discouraging when, when people just can't see who Jesus is, when they, when they can't see that Jesus is worth following. But it shouldn't surprise us. It's not because there's anything wrong with Jesus. It's not because there's anything wrong with the gospel message. But the fact is that we're in the middle of a spiritual war zone every day. Now, the devil is hard at work trying to, trying to keep people in the dark, keep them from seeing who Jesus is. And so our job is to keep pointing people 
to Jesus, to, to keep the focus on him. Um, you read here and you realize pretty quickly, Paul's ministry isn't about Paul. It's not about him. It's, it's all about Jesus. Um, Paul says that unlike many of the other public speakers at that time who were, who were all about drawing attention to themselves and feathering their own nests, Paul, Paul says what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So it, it's not about me, Paul says. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. The message isn't how good am I. The message is Jesus is Lord. And we do this because God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. In Jesus, we see God's glory. Just as in the, in the very beginning of creation, God brought physical light uh, to a dark universe, in the same way, he's brought light into our hearts by revealing himself to us through Jesus and giving us his spirit. And the point to come out of all of this is one that is very simple, but infinitely deep. And that is that we ought to make it our goal in life to exalt Jesus, to make Jesus known. That that is a worthy vision for our lives right there. And I think this is especially important for our our younger people, our our high schoolers and, and our young adults as you Think about what it is that you want for your life. Exalting Jesus. Uh, when it comes to our lives, we, we all have a choice. And the, and the choice plays out in a thousand different ways every day. And, and that choice is, whose story am I living for? Whose story am I living for? Is, is my life all about playing the lead role in my own story, where the, where the, the spotlight is all on me? Or is my life about playing a support role in Jesus' story, where Jesus is the focus? Is it about looking out for me, promoting me, developing me, giving glory to me, developing my story? Or is it about finding my place in in a far greater story that Jesus offers and giving him the glory? Am I I starring in my own story or am I playing my my smaller part in the, the story of redemption that Jesus calls us all into, the, the story that we're going to reflect on in a few moments' time as we celebrate communion together. And as we celebrate that, that Jesus gave up his life to bring us to God. Now, the stark reality is that people need Jesus far more than they need me or you. And so the most loving worthwhile thing that I can do with my life is to make much of Jesus. Because he's the ultimate answer to all of our longings. He's God's answer to everything that's wrong with the world. He's God's answer to everything that's wrong with each one of us. He's the only one who can provide that hope in the darkest times. And so the more that that my life and my ministry and, and my sharing about Jesus, the more that that's about me, the more tempted that I'll be to lose heart. Because every, every failure and every discouragement is just going to chip away at my sense of identity. But as we exalt Jesus, we're reminded that our identity is secure in him. That the ministry is really his. It's not ours. And so what does, what does a life of exalting Jesus look like? 
Well, firstly, it means speaking about him to one another, reminding each other of his loving provision and his good promises in every season of life. It means reading the Bible, both on our own, um, with our families, um, so that we get to know Jesus better. Um, I've got to say, I've, as I've been reading through 2 Corinthians, I've been personally convicted about this. It's, it's made me more serious about making sure that I'm praying and reading the Bible, not, not just on my own, but, but with Alicia and with, with Rory, our son, as well. Because I want them to look back on me as a husband and a father who pointed them to Jesus with every opportunity. Uh, we heard from Kathy just before, our, our big question is a great chance to exalt Jesus. And I, I asked a friend the question a few weeks back, and um, he had a bit of a, I asked him what he thought God was like, he had a bit of a think about it, and, he, and then he just put it straight back on me, he said, I don't know, what do you think? And, and I reckon we'll get that, I reckon, um, you know, you ask 10 people that question, I reckon five people at least will, will ask you what you think as well. And it's a real free hit for us to be able to say, look, I know what God's like because he's revealed himself in Jesus and this is what Jesus is like. And if, if we're going to be exalting Jesus out there in our lives, we, he needs to be exalted in here as well. We can't give what we don't have ourselves. On our staff team here at church, Sally is our, our magnification leader. Her, her role is all about making sure that on Sunday and, and during the week that, that, that we are magnifying God. We're magnifying Jesus. That is, we're, we're seeing Jesus as being as big and as glorious as he really is. And every week, Sally and, and our music team and others who are involved in the service put, put a lot of prayer and a lot of preparation into making sure that we all leave here at, at 11.30 on a Sunday, not, not thinking, oh, what a great preacher that guy is, or far out, that's, that boy band is a talented bunch of musicians. Um, but, but rather, we, we come away thinking, how awesome is Jesus? That's, that's the mark of, I guess, what you call a successful service here. If people walk away thinking, how awesome is Jesus? And so can I encourage all of us to come along each week really ready to be part of that together? Uh, I totally realize mornings don't always run smoothly. Sometimes it's an achievement just to get here at 11 a.m. rather than 10 a.m. But, but how good would it be if we were all here together when that first song sings, praising God with one voice together? God has given us his light. And so we exalt Jesus, not ourselves. And we do it with God's power, not our own. Uh, Paul says we, ha- we have this treasure of, of God's light in Jesus in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Uh, clay jars sounds kind of impressive if you're into pottery and that sort of thing, but the reality is back then clay jars were, as Stephen said earlier, that they were the equivalent of plastic bags or those Chinese takeaway containers that break when you look at them for too long. Uh, and so, so Paul is saying, uh, we're weak, we're unimpressive, and that's the whole point, because it shows that we rely on God's power. Uh, and so often in life and in, and in following Jesus, we're, we're confronted by our, our own weakness. Those times when we're, when we're unable to change other people, those times when we're unable to even change ourselves. But our weakness is just another opportunity for God to show his power. 
uh, Paul describes himself how the suffering that he experiences in his ministry, but also how God's power sustains him in the midst of it. He says, we're, we're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We are weak, he's saying. But God is powerful. And it's God's power that has the final word, not our weakness. In fact, we've actually titled this whole series in 2 Corinthians, Strong in Our Weakness, because that is the big message of the book, that that God's strength is made known and and seen even more clearly in our weakness. Uh, I've got the verses wrong, but this is is verse 10 and 11 here, uh, where Paul says, We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are also being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So Paul is saying that here that his ministry kind of, it kind of attracts a kind of suffering that has parallels with, with Jesus' suffering and dying. It's almost as if as, as Paul is on mission that, he, that he's carrying Jesus' death and suffering around with him persecution, hardship, the the cost of proclaiming the gospel. But this ministry that that causes Paul to to die a little bit each day, it also brings life. Life is revealed in us, Paul is saying. The Corinthian believers, they have life in Jesus because Paul proclaimed the gospel to them, no matter what it costs. And so Paul is able to say, death is at work in us, but life is at work in us in you. And this is what God, God's power has achieved through, through Paul's suffering and his weakness. People have come from death to life. Now, as we saw last week, Paul is speaking here as an apostle. He's someone who had a, a very particular God-given purpose. Uh, Paul's suffering was what, made, what God used to, to make Jesus known all around the Roman Empire at that time. Uh, Paul had an extraordinary role that's, that's different in many ways to, to what any of us have. But what he's saying here is still meaningful, even for those of us who, who aren't apostles. Because this is the other side of the coin to exalting Jesus. It's, it's accepting and even embracing our own lowliness. Rejoicing that God is as likely to use us in our weakest and most painful moment as he is in our finest and most glorious moment. We're no less useful to God in our weakness than we are in our strength. In fact, the really tough seasons of life, they may be the ones where God is showing his power in us most clearly. When I go to a Christian wedding and the bride and the groom who are having the happiest day of their life give a speech saying how thankful to God they are, I find that really heartening. And, um, you know, particularly for younger people, when you, when you get the chance to, to give a 21st speech or a wedding speech or, or something like that, to take that opportunity to, to praise God in those moments. But you know what I find so much more encouraging than that? What I find way more encouraging than that is hearing someone who's getting treated for cancer and who doesn't know what the future holds, saying that their confidence is in Jesus, no matter what. Um, hearing someone who, who's going through grief, going through depression, going through illness, seeing, seeing people cling to Jesus even in those dark times, that speaks volumes. 
not just to me, but to, to everyone, everyone who sees it. And it brings us to Paul's third reason for authentic hope, which is God's promise. Paul grounds his hope in the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, he says, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. And since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Paul's quoting a, a psalm from the Old Testament here. It's, it's one that was written a thousand years earlier by King David. And, and, and the psalm is all about David suffering as he serves God. Uh, but not just that, but, but that God has spared him from death. And Paul, what he's doing here is he's identifying with David. He's identifying both in the distress that, that David faces, but also in God's goodness and protection. Paul believes and he speaks because, he says, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. So Paul proclaims and he exalts Jesus whatever it costs right now because he trusts God's promise that we're going to share, that everyone who trusts in Jesus will share in Jesus' resurrection, that God will, will raise us with new bodies just as he raised Jesus. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more brokenness. And Paul says, this is, this is for your benefit so that the grace that's reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. So on that day when, when, when everyone who has received God's grace is raised back to life, when we all stand before him together, thanksgiving to God will overflow. God will receive the glory that he's worthy of. And that, Paul says, that is why we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. So even as Paul and his, and his ministry companions are, are being physically and mentally and emotionally battered day by day, Paul doesn't lose heart because he knows that the Spirit is transforming him day by day into the likeness of Jesus, that, that, that one day he will see Jesus face to face in full glory. And so he can declare that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now I've got to say, light and momentary seems like a very understated way of describing some of the things that Paul went through in his ministry. You might, might remember back in chapter 1, he told the Corinthians, we were, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. It doesn't, doesn't sound very light and momentary to me. And yet, when, when even the worst of Paul's sufferings is lined up alongside the glory of what heaven will look like, Paul knows that, that even the worst of his sufferings, even the worst of our sufferings, will be nothing. And if verse 17 is true, then what it means is that every pain and every trial that we go through in life, it, it just makes that promise of heaven even more glorious. To, to think that the glory of heaven will outweigh what I'm facing right now. Um, I, I don't know everyone's life story. I, I don't know what everyone here has faced in, in your life or, or what you're going through right now. But, but what an incredible hope to, to think no matter what the, the worst thing is that I'm going through now or the worst thing that's happened in my life that, that lined up alongside heaven, it's, it's nothing. It, it's it's mind-blowing to think that. And so, Paul says, we, we fix our eyes 
not on what he's seen, not the, the troubles and the, and the pains that are seen and felt, but on what he's unseen. Since what he's seen is temporary, but what he's unseen is eternal. It's keeping the unseen promise of the resurrection in sight that helps Paul not to lose heart. And it's the same for us. Whatever we face in, in life and in ministry, what, what we can be certain of, all the uncertainty in the world, but what we can be certain of is how the story ends. Now, perhaps this, this illustration doesn't, doesn't quite do justice to some of the, the hardships that, that we face in life, but, but in some ways it, it, it's a bit like watching a movie, knowing that there'll be a happy ending. But having to, having to ride the highs and the lows of the plotline until that ending comes. And I think this is what's so good about making my life about Jesus' story rather than about my story. It's because we have God's promise that Jesus' story has a happy ending. It has a happier ending than, than anything we could imagine. A happier ending, a far happier ending than, than my story ever could if it was up to me to write the script. And it's a happy ending that, that we're welcomed to be part of. An eternal glory that, that outweighs any of the pain that we experience right now. And one that's only possible because Jesus has saved us by his death and he's shown us the way to true life by his resurrection. And that, that is worth fixing our eyes on as we navigate every season of this life, both the highs and the lows. And because hard times are going to come in life. Hard times are going to come just in life in general. They, they're going to come as we try to live for Jesus. And if my life and, and the, the ministries I'm involved in are, are about me, then I'm going to lose heart. But if we, we keep heart by making it less and less and less about me, more and more and more about Jesus, exalting Jesus, making much of Jesus with our lives, Rejoicing that every weakness, every pain, every, every struggle just serves to display God's power in more and more focus through Jesus. And fixing our eyes on that day when things are going to be set right forever. When God's promise of eternal glory with Jesus will be an everlasting reality. And with that in mind, let's pray. A merciful and mighty God, we thank you for the light that you have shone in our hearts through your glory, displayed in the face of your Son. Please work in and through us to exalt Jesus in every part of our lives, to depend on your power as we face our own weakness, and to fix our eyes on your promise of the eternal, unseen hope of the glory of the resurrection. Help us, Father, not to lose heart, but to put our hope fully in Jesus. Amen.